familiar psalm to, to many, um, and uh, I don't know that we've preached it here before at Crossway, um, but it's a great psalm, and so I'm honored to be able to preach it, and this is actually not my first time preaching. I preached this up at uh, Trinity Cambridge, one of our sister churches, a church we love up in uh, Cambridge with Sean Wu and his church, and some of our members' kids uh, go there, <laughs> which is a great, uh, great relationship we have with them. Psalm 34. So before reading this um, psalm, though, there's a little background here that we have to know. And so there's a story of David. And David, you remember, Saul was was made king. And Saul was uh, uh, kind of the maybe typical king you might think of, big and mighty and uh, a warrior. And uh, But he, he had done some things that the Lord didn't like, and so removed his grace from Saul and, and appointed David as, as king. But David's not quite king yet, and Saul's really angry with him. And so David is running away from Saul because Saul's pursuing him with an army to kill David. And David runs, and, and, he, and he finds, uh, he, he sees the priest, and he's running, uh, running away, and he, he finds this priest, and he says, hey, do you, do you have any weapons? And the priest is like, um, <laughs> I'm, this, this, is, this is a temple, it's not a place for weapons and stuff like that. But, oh, hey, there's, uh, there's, there's this one sword, it's the sword of Goliath. You remember you killed Goliath with the sword after you, uh, after you, knocked him down with the stone. And so we have that sword. There's none like it. It's very recognizable. I mean, the swords must be huge, right? Goliath was a big guy. So David grabs his sword, but he has to keep on running away. And so he sought refuge in the land of the Philistines. Goliath was a Philistine. And so he goes to Achish, part of the Philistines. This is maybe not the wisest plan uh, because Achish and his men... See, you know, David sought to kind of like quietly go into the Philistines. Well, his, Achish and his men find out, hey, David is, is here. This is the guy, you know, Saul killed his, his thousands. Uh, David killed his ten thousands. This is, this is an infamous guy. And so re- David realizes, oh boy, I'm, I'm in trouble. And so he comes before Achish, uh, the king of the Philistines, one of the most most ruthless kings uh, in Philistine. And what does David do? He realizes he's he's in trouble. He's in a bad way. And so he pretends to be insane. <laughs> so much so that he he drools down his beard, and and he just is crazy before him. And Achish is repulsed by this. I mean. You, you know the guys with like really nice beards, right? They take care of them, uh, and then and then to to drool on that, like it's repulsive to us, but to their culture even more so. You you would have to be insane to drool on your own beard, or if you're not insane already, like doing that makes you insane. <laughs> and so Achish is repulsed by this, and David is able to escape. And that's where we find ourselves in the psalm. But you'll see how David recalls those events, even if it's not explicit, very differently than we read. And I just told that story. And I I told the story from the perspective of 1 Samuel. But David has a very different perspective. And so let's read Psalm 34. Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, 
uh, Akish, another word for that, so that he drove him out and he went away. Oh, one one note before uh, I, I read this as well. Uh, you, you, you see in your in your text it says Lord, all capitals. Well, we came from Exodus, right? That means Yahweh. And so I'm going to read with Yahweh in mind. I think we should sometimes at least call our God by the name that he's given to us, Yahweh. So that's how I'm, how I'm going to read it. Verse 1, I will bless Yahweh at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in Yahweh. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify Yahweh with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought Yahweh and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look on him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and Yahweh heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of Yahweh encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear Yahweh, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek Yahweh lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear Yahweh. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of Yahweh are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. The face of Yahweh is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, Yahweh hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Yahweh is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but Yahweh delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Yahweh redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can approach you. That we can cry out to you. That you answer us. It's amazing that the God of the universe answers us. And so we, we want to approach you. We want to call out to you. Especially when we are in times of difficulty or trials. But even when we're not, help us to remember We need your grace each and every day, even when things are going well. Give us comfort in times of storm. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so how would, how do we think about this whole psalm? This this is how I think about it. It's, It's pretty simple. Uh, sentence, seek the Lord and he will answer you and deliver you. 
Seek the Lord and he'll answer you and deliver you. So it's a very simple theme. But I think it's a good reminder. And I think we can see how we are to do this, especially in times of difficulty. And so we are to seek the Lord. And he will answer you. He promises you. He, he will deliver you. And so my first point, let's get right into it. Cry out to the Lord, verses 1 to 7. Cry out to the Lord. There are kind of two parts here. As If you have an ESV, or I think other, other versions do similar, but it kind of breaks this part up into two sections, 1 to 3 and, and 4 to 7. The first part is kind of this commitment and confidence in God, and the second part is this, this, this testimony of him crying out. And so the first part, right, it's, it's confidence because of the second part. It's confidence because when he cried out, God answered him. And so verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord. I will bless Yahweh at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in Yahweh. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify Yahweh with me. Let us exalt his name together. This is like a, a summary, a conclusion of the whole Psalm, but at the beginning instead of maybe at the end. There's a, there's a commitment to praise here. Right? I, I will bless the Lord at all times. There's, there's a boast in Yahweh. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. There, there's something to learn from in there. We, we want to boast in not how well we're doing, how, how great our bank account is doing, or how great my job is, or I have Five million kids, and they're all wonderful. <laughs> There's lots of things that we can kind of boast in. But let's make our boast in God, in that we know God. And then, and then encourage others to praise God. Encourage others to praise Him. This is, this is what David is doing. He's inviting us to join in praising God and committing to this and boasting in God. Join with me. Let's all sing together. Let's praise together. Let's pray. Let's exalt our God. Because He's wonderful. Why? Why? Because He's wonderful. What has He done? Well, in the life of David, right? Here's the testimony of him crying out to God. Verse 4 to 7. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look on him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of Yahweh encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. David was being pursued by the army of Saul to put him to death. And he's kind of in one of these situations. He's, he's in the, the frying pan, right, running away from Saul. And then he goes to the Philistines and out of the frying pan into the fire. He's in maybe a worse situation. And we should note that, yeah, David was clever in acting insane before Achish, right? But what does it say in verse 4 to 7 here? Look! Look how different Paul. Uh, look how different David recollects that event. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. This poor man cried, and the the Lord heard him. So Scripture Scripture is full of encouragement to take action. That's what David did. He, he used his wisdom. He 
he, he, did, he did right there. Got himself out of trouble. And yet, it's God who did that. Maybe, maybe I, I kind of think it was the Holy Spirit prompted him. Hey, you, you're in trouble here. You need to do something drastic. And, and maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit even suggested drooling on his, his beard. Because I don't know that David would have been like, oh yeah, let me do this. <laughs> um, but David was in trouble. Now in 1 Samuel, if you read that event, it doesn't, it doesn't show that David was praying to God. He was, he was in anguish. But David did in that moment. Maybe short, really short prayer. I'm in trouble, God. I need your help. He's crying out to the Lord. And so here we have wise actions and the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, the answering of God, the care of God. And so our lives, life isn't just one or the other. We're, you know, we don't just take action and hope kind of things work out and God will bless us if I uh, make a name for myself and get a good job and, you know, save for retirement and, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. And on the other side, we don't just kind of pray and cry out to God for him to fix everything while we sit on the couch and do nothing. <laughs> we, we, got, we have to cry out to God for help and take wise action. Sometimes people have a hard time reconciling those two things together. That's okay. We don't have to always understand it. But if scripture tells us to take wise actions and to do good and to serve the Lord, well, we should do that. And if, the, and if scripture says that God is sovereign and he's the one that rescues us, well, believe it. And if those don't quite fit together in your own brain, that's okay. You don't, you don't necessarily have to have it all figured out. Just serve him, cry out to him, trust him. So let's look at the particulars a little bit. In verse 4, it's, it talks about, he delivered me from all my fears. You know, when David escaped the Philistines after he pretended to be insane, his problems didn't end there, Right? Saul still sought to kill him, and then Absalom tried to kill him, and, and there were many other troubles that David went through. And, and he admits that he, he was fearful. We can identify with that. But he says, he delivered me from all my fears. God didn't make everything just go right in that moment, but God provided comfort God provided deliverance. And so his fears were assuaged. His fears were, were alleviated because he knew God was in control. And then we can see the contrast. David is fearful, but verse 7, the angel of Yahweh encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. So there's two different kinds of fears there, right? David is afraid he has fears that he's going to be killed or maimed or humiliated, ashamed, all those things. But he fears God. And that fear of God, that respect for God, that hope in God, that, that's much bigger than his other fears. 
And as well, there's another contrast here that I think that we should look at. Verse 5 says, those who look at him are radiant, their faces shall never be ashamed. It's interesting that he says their faces shall never be ashamed because you can picture as this is happening, David is drooling on his, his beard. A shameful, shameful thing in their culture especially. But with God, he'd never be ashamed. So you, you might feel humiliated because you stand up for God or that, or because you have proclaimed God and, that, and you have faith in Him and tell other people about Him and people don't like that or reject you or laugh at you or any number of things or just don't want to talk to you. But we think about David. David, he's drooling out his beard. He's not ashamed. He's God. God is present. God, this is the way that God is going to deliver him. And it might not be David's chosen path. It might not be our chosen path, but God is a deliverer. And so David knew to trust in God, but experience gave him all the more confidence to trust in him so that he take, took this event to his next event. And really, he took, took the event of Goliath, a, a, a very fearful enemy, he took that experience into this one, into the next one. And so he has reason to boast and commit to praise. And see, this all builds on one another. There's, there's truth that we see in Scripture, and then we experience some of that, and our perspective on that leads to more confidence and more understanding of the truth and more experience and perspective of God rescuing and leading us. Now, there is a big stark contrast between David's fears and Saul's fears. Saul feared the loss of being king. That's why he was pursuing David to, to kill him. David feared for his life. But there's also another difference. David also feared the Lord. And I'm not sure if we can say that about Saul. At least his fear of the Lord was very diminished, certainly at times in his kingship. And even he knew that God had appointed David, and yet he still pursued him to, to murder him. And so that brings us to our next section here. Repent and turn to the Lord. Repent and turn to the Lord, 8 to 14. So part of that fearing the Lord is repenting, turning to the Lord. And again, we have these two sections, 8 to 10, is telling of the, of the good of Yahweh, good of the Lord. And 11 to 14 is encouragement to, to fear God and, and to keep his ways. And so this first part, again, it's confidence in God's goodness. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek Yahweh lack no good thing. <clears throat> he wants you, the congregation, to know and experience. That's why he says taste and see. He wants to, you to know that, that you'll lack no good thing. We can often think that we do lack good things. 
God doesn't give us all the things that we want. But here it says we'll lack no good thing. Even the, the lions suffer want and hunger, but we will lack no good thing. I'll get into that a little bit more later. The second part is exhorting you to fear God, to repent, to stay away from evil and seek peace and, and truth. It seems kind of like, well, is he just changing topics here? What, what's going on here? But this is part of it. Let, let's read this section. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear Yahweh. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he sees good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. He wants us to teach us to fear the Lord. Part of that tasting it and seeing, it's you need to fear the Lord in order to taste and see his goodness. And part of that is repenting. And, and so teaching us to fear the Lord, how do we do that? Well, this is a few ways. In verse 13 and 14, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit, turn away from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. These are all ways of fearing the Lord, fearing our God and respecting him. And so, again, tasting the goodness of God involves turning away from sin and turning towards God, it motivates us to pursue God. There's, there's kind of a common illustration that if we, you know, if you fill up on, on junk food before you've had dinner, well, you spoil your dinner. You, you eat the, the things that are less good and fill up on the things that are less good, and you miss out on the really good. So, so I have, I have some illustrations from my life that, uh, on this and and I actually I don't think I put this together until I first prepared this this message um but back when I was a teenager I wanted a good thing I I wanted I wanted to be married I wanted to find a girl and and, and marry her and even as a even as a teenager while I was still in high school I, this is what I wanted and so I found a girl that I started dating and and uh I really liked her and I Eventually, I actually got engaged to her. I wanted a good thing. I wanted to be married. But actually, I was fearing. What I was fearing is that I wouldn't get this good thing. I was fearing that I wouldn't get the thing that I wanted, which is to be married to, to a girl. And so what did I do? I, I, I kind of put a stranglehold on the, the, the relationship. I wouldn't let go. I was, I was consuming um, in, in my in my actions and I, and so my fear drove me to to lead that relationship in a, in a way that was ungodly and uh, that came out in, in a number of ways and it ended up with with heartache. We broke up before my first year of college and I was I was heartbroken. I was despairing after that. And you'd think that I would learn from that encounter. But I didn't, at least not yet. So I pursued another relationship in college and another one and another one. And I did the same things each time. I think what was driving me now was not just that I really wanted this good thing to be married 
uh, and, and have kids, start a family. I wanted that. But I, was fe- I feared that I wouldn't get it. And so I felt like I had to make it happen. And so if you do that, you'll see <laughs> that you don't conduct yourself in a godly manner. And you will push people away rather than drawing them to you. But then I did, I did learn not to fear. After all that heartache and going through that, I finally said to God, God, I'm bad at this. <laughs> I've caused so much heartache myself and for these girls too. I want to do it your way. I, w- I want to have open hand in, in a relationship. I still want to get married. I deeply do want to get married. But God, you've got to do it. You've got to accomplish this. And through the relationship, help me as I pursue it. Well, God was really kind. He doesn't always do this kinds of thing. But he was kind. Not really long after I prayed that prayer, I came to Crossway and met Megan. I was not looking for a relationship when I met Megan. But God kind of led us down that road and opened it up. And and through that relationship, I conducted myself, by God's grace, much, much more in trusting God. I wasn't fearing that I wouldn't get this good thing because I, I believed God wanted marriage for me. Maybe, maybe it wasn't this girl that ended up being Megan. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, and God doesn't always work that way, but he worked that way for me. So this is my testimony to you. Taste and see that God is good. And, and it's not like my life just went, oh, it's, it's great from then on. No, there, there were many difficulties in my life, and especially even this last week was a particularly difficult one. It's one where, where, you know, some days you think, is, is this worth it? Is this worth being a, a pastor, preparing a sermon for Sunday? I don't, I don't actually get paid for this. <laughs> is, it, is it worth doing this? A lot of times, I have to tell you, a lot of times when I preach, it's a particularly difficult week. There, the enemy opposes me. And this happens to many pastors too. This was a tough week for me. A couple of my kids got strep throat. Hopefully I don't have it, but <laughs> stay away. <laughs> um, and in the midst of that, one of my kids uh, broke, or, or I thought broke our TV by pouring water on it. <laughs> um, I had a couple of other things that I don't really want to share as well, but many more difficulties this week. A hurricane comes, <laughs> threatens to to cancel church because I'm preaching this message. Is this is this worth it? I could just let somebody else do this. I could let Dave or Bauer preach. But I tell you, I don't tell you this to make you feel bad for me. That's that's not why why I'm telling you this. I don't want you to feel bad for me. I'm telling you because even in all those difficulties. It's worth it. Taste and see that God is good. It's worth it. 
even, even if the road might be very difficult for us. And you can think of all the ways that you serve God, especially, that are particularly difficult for you. Or all the ways that you encounter trials in your life. And you think, is this worth it? Is this worth pursuing God? Is it, I could just lay on my couch. I could just go pursue and be worldly and it would be much easier for me. That's not, that's not going to be fulfilling. Taste and see that God is good. Serving Him, that's the most fulfilling. That's where we get the most joy. Yeah, I could go pursue worldly things and Maybe be happy for a time, but there's no greater joy that I have than serving you and serving God, even with all of the difficulties. And so why does he say, taste and see? Because he wants you to know and experience this for yourself, not just to see somebody else do it, but for you yourself to go through this as well. To know and experience God is good and he promises to care for us. That's where we come, my last point. Yahweh cares for those who seek him. Yahweh cares for those who seek him. Verse 15 to 22. We can often bring maybe too much theology to a psalm like this and miss out Things like we see the righteous here in verse 15 and in verse 17 and 19. And, and we know, hey, from Romans and in Psalm 14 and 53 and a number of other places, hey, there's, there's no one righteous. There's no not, no not one. And so we're like, oh, this, who's, who's the righteous? That's Jesus. Okay. So I'm not really in, in view here. But I think we first have to understand the Psalm as the author and the audience would have understood it, right? The righteous here includes David. He's speaking of himself. And, and in the context of it, this own psalm, right? Not, he's not changing topics. It's also those who fear God, those who seek him are righteous. Really, all throughout the Old Testament, David knew uh, and the, that, that he himself sinned, the prophets sinned, the patriarchs sinned, sinned. But in Genesis even, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so it was grace. They they weren't sure how it all worked out. They didn't know that Jesus was going to come and, and die for our sins and we'd be cleansed from, from all of that. They had the, the they had the temple and well actually not at this time they didn't quite have the temple, but they have they had sacrifices. So they they got a glimpse of that. They didn't know how it all worked out, though. They knew it was grace. God forgives. And so now when we read this section, let's keep this in mind because we are in view here. The righteous are in view. Those who fear the Lord are in view. And so when we read verse 15, right, the eyes of Yahweh are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Yahweh is near to the brokenhearted and save the crushed in spirit. So 
before we apply this to Jesus, which it does apply to Jesus, you have to understand, if, if you're Israel, put yourself in their place. If you're hearing this, how do you receive this? If the eyes of Yahweh are toward the righteous, his ears are inclined to them, he hears them, he delivers them, then I want to be one of the righteous, don't you? I want you to be one of the righteous. You should be part of the righteous here. But we can't achieve righteousness, right? Look at the psalm itself, though. Verse 22, the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. It's preaching the gospel to us already. Take refuge in him. It's not telling you exactly how it's all going to work out. But if you take refuge in him, he's going to redeem your life. If you serve him, he will redeem your life. And then we get to Christ. Christ, there's a promise. God, God's not promising to not break your bones. You, that, you know, do Christians never break their bones? It's, it's not a, verse 20 is not a, 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 it's not saying that we're never going to break bones or that we're never going to encounter difficulties in this life. But it's a prophecy, right? That points towards Christ. Remember, Christ was on the cross and the other, uh, the other two who were crucified with him, they broke their, their legs in order that they would die quicker because the, uh, the celebration, the feast was happening. It was the Sabbath. But they didn't break the bones of Christ. They didn't break his, his bones because he had already died. Just a, a testimony. Encourage us. That's true. You can't make this stuff up. Encourage us to know that event was true. And now for us, those of you who seek God, yeah, you, you might break a bone. You might encounter danger. You might be sick. But you will not be overcome with evil. You won't be overcome by evil. It says, it says even here, it, he's not saying that life is going to be great. He's saying many are the afflictions of the righteous. In verse 19, many are the afflictions. But Yahweh delivers them all. How can, how can this be true? If we are afflicted, how, how does Yahweh, how does our God deliver us from out of the, how, how can, how can those things be together? It's because that this life is not all that there is. Yeah, live, I, I would, I would say, like, just as my testimony, living your life for Jesus is your best life now. That doesn't mean there won't be difficulty. There will be difficulty. There will be many afflictions. But there will be joy. And it will be fulfilling. And life is but a blink compared to eternity. And now I know that that's kind of hard to think about right now. You know, day after day, maybe it's difficult for you to have faith and not doubt. Is is God real? Does he really love me? Is he really near i can't feel him it's it's maybe hard for you when your family and friends don't approve of your beliefs they give you a hard time about it or they won't talk to you or causes other issues it's it's hard when the world thinks that your beliefs are 
are ugly and intolerant. And there, there are many more difficulties that we, we all experience, and some, some that everybody who lives experiences difficulties, some specifically because we are Christian, because we are following God. And, and I think American Christians, we in particular, maybe this is true of other Christians around the world, I don't know, but I am aware of American Christians, because I'm one, <laughs> I see it. I think I think we don't know how to suffer well. I think I think we're we're angry when we're like inconvenienced, right? Uh, we we feel persecuted when we're criticized, even when it's not really about our faith. We're criticized because we're maybe a jerk. <laughs> we're we're alarmed and hopeless when the world surprisingly doesn't have the same values that we have. And, and the thought of heaven and eternity, that, that doesn't give us hope, that scares us. But heaven, I'm telling you, heaven's gonna be good. Eternity's gonna be good. It is something to look forward to. I wish American Christianity talked about it a little bit more, that we celebrated it. And we see this actually in, um, and many of the, the black gospel music, they look forward to eternity. They look forward to heaven because they know it's going to be good. And that comes from their history of having difficulty, suffering much. And we as mostly white American, we haven't been through a lot of difficulty, not real suffering. I mean, some of you have, but not like some others. When, when I went to the Dominican Republic and those of you who, who went with me, we went and we saw, we saw suffering, real suffering. People live in, in a, just a broken down shack. That was their home. And it was one room, dirt floor. That's all they had. But these people, at least many of them, seemed to know Jesus and they were joyful. They were thankful. They didn't have a complaint. They were joyful. I think that we can, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our difficulties, and I'm not denying that we have difficulties. We we do. We have difficulties. Life is not easy. But let's have joy. Let's look forward to heaven. Let's be confident that God will deliver us out of all of our troubles. Because one day we're going to see him face to face. And there will be no more troubles, only joy, only happiness when we meet God. And so the fear of the Lord should displace our fear of man. I think another reason that American Christians don't really know how to suffer well, joyfully, we've lost our identity in Christ when the heat is on. When there's difficulty, when there's persecution, when there is trial, we, f- we forget that we're in Christ. He's got this covered. We're in Him. He, he's not unaware of what's going on. We can trust Him. And so we need to identify with Christ. We, we are in Christ. And we are righteous because of him. We are hidden in him. And so when we look to verses like 15 to 22, really, 
The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. Yeah, they're towards Christ. But how much more are they towards Christ than, than us? Because we're, we're in Christ. And so if, if God's eyes are towards Christ because God, Christ is, the, Christ is perfect and He's righteous, well, we're, we're right along with Him. Because we're hidden in Him. All the things that apply to Christ apply to us. Maybe not directly, but they apply to us. And so the ears of God are towards their cry. When we cry out, God hears us because of Christ. 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and save the crushed in spirit. Cry out to God. He will hear you and deliver you. And he'll redeem you. So how are we to apply this? Simply just take your troubles to God. He'll give you the grace. So maybe a question for you is, how can you remember to pray to God more in the midst of difficulties? How can you remember to pray to God more in the difficulties? Two is let's seek God in everything. So maybe a question for you, seeking God, yeah, I want to do that, I do that, I come, come to church, I go to small group, I pray, I read my Bible. But what might be an area that you haven't quite fully handed over to God? What's an area that might, you might not have handed over to God? And we can, sometimes we can tell that because uh, we get angry about something. Oh, hey, that's maybe an area that you haven't handed over to God. Or maybe you're despairing about something. Maybe you haven't handed that over to God. Or maybe you're going through difficulty because you're trying to make something happen like I was. And it's not going your way, and so you try harder, but you're not trusting God. You're fearing that you're not going to get the good thing, even when God promises to give you every good thing. And lastly, magnify the Lord with me. It's corporate. Join with me in singing. We're going to do that in just a moment. Join with me in praising God. When you hear this word preached, praise God. Don't just listen. Listening's good. But your heart, let your heart be affected and praise God by hearing this. And maybe a question for you is what are you filling yourself with instead of Christ? There's lots of entertainment out there. There's lots of things that we can busy ourselves with. Lots of things we can give ourselves to and spend time with. Are we feeding on the junk food? The, the, those are maybe good things, but we're filling ourselves up with them so much so that we've kind of displaced our hunger for Christ. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what are we filling ourselves with instead of Christ? And I want you to see and taste, taste and see that Yahweh is good. And this is one where we can't just kind of dabble and test the waters. Taste and see. It's an all-in thing. Come come with me. If you haven't ever done that, now's your opportunity. Taste and see 
Have faith. Go all in. Trust Him that He will give you every good thing. And He'll meet you in the trials. Seek the Lord. He'll answer you and deliver you. Let's take a moment to pray. And I'll have Dave come up as well. Father, we thank you that you have done much for us. That we can taste and see that you're good because you are good. You know us. You love us. Help us to seek you, God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dave, why don't you come up and pray for us and share some thoughts.